Hello and welcome to the Five Lights Podcast with me, your host, Daniel Herrick, as we take a look ahead to the Chinese Grand Prix this weekend. We looked back at Australia last week and that was a bit of a steady race, so let's see what China can bring us. Will we have more overtaking? Will we have more fighting? We'll have to wait and see. We've also got some news to cover and some great rumours flying around the paddock at the moment, but without any further ado, let's begin the Five Lights Podcast. Okay, and I am joined as always by my brother and my friend and a fellow F1 fanatic, Mark. How you doing, buddy? I'm alright, bro. Not too bad at all. Yep, ready for a good fun podcast talking about F1 racing. Awesome, awesome. Well, we had a the first race was two weeks ago now, uh, so we've had a week off. We've had a week to recuperate and, and process what happened in week one, and now we're looking ahead to race two in China. And a completely different kettle of fish, this race, to the first race. first race, obviously a street circuit. This one is a purpose-built circuit, a lot wider and a lot longer than Australia. But we'll get into China in a little, a little moment. We've got to get through the news, though, first. And a few news pieces um, that have come up this week. And we'll start with a bit of news that pertains to China. And that is the fact that Giovinazzi, the young star that we saw in Australia, he's going to replace Verlein yet again in the Sauber this weekend, isn't he? Yes, it is. Um, as we said last week, Verline made the decision that he didn't want to race uh, because of his, <coughs> excuse me, back injury he, he got in the race of champions over the winter, and obviously that's still giving him some jip. And he decided that China's not the place to come back. Um, can't blame him. Really. Like I said before, he, he knows himself. I know he wants to race. He's a racer like they all are. If, if he could get in the car, he would. So uh, he's obviously made the decision that he doesn't want to hinder himself anymore. And China being quite brutal, um, especially with these new cars, I think it's probably best he stays out until he's absolutely sure he's ready to race. And it's another chance for us to get a glimpse of this young Gia Vinazzi. Obviously, impressed in Australia, nearly out qualifying Marcus Ericsson. A different circuit, a more uh, race style circuit. So we get to see what the young Italian has got as well, don't we? Yeah, he did really well in his outing in Australia. He did really, really well. Um, just as good as Ericsson, if not slightly better, I thought, considering it was his first race and he was brought in last minute. So, yeah, on a full full F1 circuit that's built for speed and power, then, yeah, I'd be interested to see what he's got in, in this in this type of environment. So, it, it, although it's bad for Verline, it's, it's a massive uh, deal for Giovinazzi for him to prove himself and potentially earn some interest for, you know, future seasons. Indeed. Now, the next bit of news goes to another new driver on the grid, and that's Lance Stroll, who we actually called into quite We didn't call him into question, but we did say that his driving style was a little bit rough around the edges. We just said he needed a little bit of time to bed into the Williams, and he's called out the haters this week and calling them all jealous. Yeah, which I think is a bit strange, especially after your first race, he's, he's calling his haters jealous. I mean... Um... If I was criticising him, it's not because uh, I, I'm not an F1 driver. Uh, I know I'm not an F1 driver. I've made no attempt to be an F1 driver. I'm, I'm basically calling him out because I don't think he's up to the <laughs> up to the job based on knowing the sport and knowing who else is on the market. So, um, yeah, maybe that's a self-defence mechanism. Um, if that's how he's going to go on through the season, it's only race one, and that's his reaction. He's already letting it get to him, and he's trying to bring out these sort of statements to... I know, defend himself, then uh, he's going to have a long, hard season. He will, yeah. I mean, as we said, it, 
it's, it's not that he's a bad driver. We're not, we're not so, we, you know, it's, you can't go off anything with one sample size. You know, it's not a big enough sample size no. to, to say if he's a bit of a bad driver. All we, all we said, I mean, he's not calling us. He's not, I don't think he wrote it in the Autosport piece. Those guys at the Five Lights podcast, I think he's more talking to other drivers. No, what, yeah, what I'm saying is, if I was to, I mean, you know, what I, I know I've said in, in previous podcasts that he's, I don't think he's all that. And he's got a long way to go before he reaches F1 standard. Um, you know, he's no, he's no Verstappen coming in, that's for sure. But as I say, the, the the route he's taken to make that sort of statement just just shows he's a, he's not quite confident with what he's doing himself. To me, anyway. Yeah, I mean, you'd be, you'd be better off just just you know prove yeah. prove it on the track, prove it on the yeah, track. Yeah, get your head down, crack on, and prove yourself on the track. Indeed, yeah. Just that's the best way to shut up anybody. Really, is to prove it on the track. As soon as yeah. you put in a good shift. People will soon soon keep quiet, but as I say, it's, it's race one, and it, and the thing is, it's brand new cars. It'll be completely different to Formula Ford and Formula Four, which she's come up through. These are brand new F1 cars. Even some of the most experienced drivers here are saying these cars are completely different to what they've seen in the past. So it's getting used to a new formula and a completely new car. So you know, let's give him time to bed in and see how he is. You know, let's let's see how he is after like six seven races, and then we can sort of uh, sort of make comment. Um, next bit of news uh, baffled me. When I heard it, it's it's just uh, it's nothing's been confirmed yet. But Sauber may be getting Honda engines for 2018. Now, Manisha Kaltenbaum has ruled out them getting them for this year for 2017, but potentially next year. My first reaction to that was, whoa, 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 Honda, let's just calm down, chill out, let's get McLaren right first before we start stretching our legs and and offering our engine to another team. Yeah, again, we we've mentioned it in a previous podcast about Honda struggling to have another outlet for testing and development and, and, and data retrieval because they've only got the one team. Um, Sauber have obviously shown an interest. I don't know why, considering they've got a perfectly good Ferrari engine sat there and another option with Mercedes, um, especially with Pascal. Pascal, like the man deal would would be uh, have Mercedes involved with it at some point. But yeah, I don't, I don't understand unless there's something that they don't, they're not happy with for Ferrari or there's something to do with the contract. Um, or maybe they're just trying to spice things up a bit. Uh, I'm not quite sure what the thinking is behind that. No, I, I I find it baffling, and I I just find it a little bit arrogant on Honda's part. You know, they they're coming under such heavy criticism, not just from the world of F1, but from motorsport in general. How badly they're putting this engine together, and how far behind they are. I mean, I saw I saw another piece, Eric Boulier saying that uh, China will expose McLaren Honda's weaknesses this weekend. What other weaknesses do they have to expose? <laughs> so you, before you've even put your car on track, you're in the house, it's going to be a crap weekend, we're not going to get very far this week. So, you know, they're all defeating themselves before they've started, which is not a very good sign for McLaren as a whole, you know, factory-based, and, you know, you're trying to motivate the troops to get get the results. Because all the teams are working really, really hard, harder than normal, because it is a new formula. So, you know, I, I can't see comments like that being any benefit to... McLaren or Honda. No, or Sauber in the future. Or Sauber in the future. You know, yeah, exactly. you know, if if you know Sauber are already struggling as it is, and they're not exactly a top six team. You know, they 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 struggling for survival now. Whether the Honda engine is a cheaper option for them, okay, that that's is the only thing I can think of. That must be yeah. going forward. Now they've got new um, new investors. That's why they're still in the sport. Um, but yeah, there must be like a cheap option for a Honda deal. And that's probably how they want to fund themselves going forward. 
Yeah, but you know, there's a double side. You know, there's two sides to that, and the fact that yes, you'll be saving money on taking the Honda engine, but if you're going to continually finish last, you're not going to get the prize money you need to keep going in the sport. Surely, as a sports team, a team trying to survive, you'll want to be looking to go forward all the time. You can't be looking to get the cheapest option, and because the cheapest option, as Honda has shown, is not the best option here. No, and the only person they'll be racing with is McLaren. They'll just be McLaren and Sauber at the back. Yeah. Not the best way to go. Anyway, we'll move on from that because that's a, that's a story for later in the season if it develops. Uh, as they say, they might be taking the engines for 2018. But going sticking with engines, uh, there is a proposal put forward for cheaper and noisier engines for 2021. So we're already uh, in the V6 era looking like it's going to come to an end come 2021. Yeah, um, I don't know. The, uh, with, the, with the Americans coming in, uh, which I'm massively in favour of now, um, yeah, I, oh, they've got Ross Braun on board. Ross Braun knows how the sport works. Um, the Americans, Liberty Media, know how they want it to run. And this week, you've got people like Audi, VW, Toyota, all trying to get around a table and trying to scratch out some ideas for future engine development and what can make it accessible for them as a, as a car manufacturer to enter the sport again. You know, because Toyota have been in before, Audi haven't been in yet, but they looked at it because Mercedes are obviously doing so well in there. VW again have looked at it um, because again Mercedes are doing really well. So it, it, I take it as a positive that yes, they might change the engines again and they will tweak the rules consistently until Liberty Media have the you know something that's affordable for people to come and race, and then thus making this sport bigger, more accessible to people, and just bring it back to what it should be. Yeah, and that, and the key the key thing in that is is the cheaper. I mean, the noisy is nice, but yeah. I would sacrifice the noise over a cheaper engine so that we keep more and more customer teams. So teams like Mana would survive more, and it gives us the potential to grow the grid to more cars. If you make the engines cheaper to buy and to run, then we're not going to lose teams along the way, and that's that's the key element here. Is it needs to be cheaper. Um, Formula One has spent year. It's always been throughout its existence has always been ahead of the game with technology. But where it's been behind is that it, it leaves teams behind, um, and it, it makes it so expensive that it doesn't think of the consequences of this new technology, uh, and actually. The, the, the key thing and the exciting thing for me is it's going to be cheaper so it, it leads to the fact that we're going to potentially have more teams on the grid come 2021 I know that seems like a long way away right now but you know they might bring that forward we don't know and they might make the engines cheaper for 2018-2019 which is obviously the plan which we touched on in our first episode is to make the engines continually cheaper so the more cars on the grid the better for us isn't it there's a better spectacle yeah, yeah definitely <clears throat> the 2021 target or deadline or the, the penciled in date is yes it's far away but that gives it gives people that potentially want to join the sport time to get their uh, affairs in order so they can produce uh, f1 cars ready to accept the engines when they are cheaper people like there were people that are interested in buying manor we know that um so there are people out there that still want to buy in and be part of the f1 circus so you know that gives them time like has to say right Engine, new engines coming in in 2021 or whatever date they choose this is the time we've got to build a team build the car get all the information we need data like mercedes and building the uh, hybrid engine for, for you know three or four years before it was even put on the track mm. because they knew it was happening and that's what they that's why they re-entered the sport mm. and, you and i think that um well, i think we've mentioned it before f1 f1 i think needs to go into become what it was and let Formula E take on the 
technology side of it. Yeah, yeah, you need that one formula that is the technical technological side, and with the introduction of Formula E, obviously with the hybrid cars there, let them run off with that because that is their gimmick. You know, every formula has a gimmick, yeah. and the gimmick for Formula One should be it's the fastest sport on earth. Regardless, it doesn't need yeah. to be the most technologically advanced. It just needs to be the fastest sport. People um, want to turn up and have it's just say a really good race, yeah, fast, absolutely. pedal to the metal, dangerous within obviously reason, you know, motorsport is dangerous, but they just want to see something that's just exciting. Absolutely, and you touched on it there, and it's our final bit of news, the Audi F1 rumours. Now, you said about Audi, you said about uh, VW, you mentioned Toyota again. They're all going to be sitting around the table looking at engines, but Audi might actually, you know, enter the sport as a team, and that's an exciting prospect because that's one of the biggest car manufacturers in the world looking to enter a car in the fastest sport in the world, and that's that can only be a good thing, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, I know they they talked about it a few times in the last in recent years. Like I say, Mercedes has sort of sparked off um, a lot of the German manufacturers to think, well, hang on, they they can do it, we can do it. We want to be better than them. It's competition. Mercedes winning the championships has drastically increased their car sales across the globe. Daimler are more than happy with what the, the sports doing. I know the F1 team's not actually making any profit. It's actually helping them sell cars, which is what they need to do. So Audi F1 coming in would be great. They've come in, they've conquered the sports car scene um, with hybrid vehicles for the ones, etc. So, and they've got Stefano Domenicali on their side, whose F1 experience with Ferrari is obviously going to put them in good stead. So yeah, if they if they're serious about it, which I think the other two, the other companies are as well, like I say the Americans are going to want to build this Super Bowl and they're going to want to build it pretty quick. And it also, it's another German manufacturer, you said about VW as well, another German manufacturer, which will hopefully reinvigorate the interest for the Formula 1 in that country. I mean, they've got two current, uh, well, they've got two uh, world champions on the current grid. They've got, Vet well, no, they, they don't anymore because Rosberg retired, sorry. But they've got the reigning world champion in Nico Rosberg, and they've got Sebastian Vettel, who is a former world champion on the grid. They've got arguably the greatest Formula 1 driver of all time, Michael Schumacher, has come from Germany. His son is currently working his way up through the ranks. They need to somehow get that country interested in Formula 1 again so we can have a German Grand Prix every year. I'd love to see the German Grand Prix back at the Nürburgring. I love Hockenheim as well, but I'd love to see it back at the Nürburgring. Obviously not the, the, the full Nordschleife, but that, that Nürburgring circuit that we had, that was fantastic. And Germany now is the biggest, it's the superpower in Europe. It's the biggest, most powerful country in Europe. We need to be sending the circus through that country, don't we? Well, yeah, it's, like, it's, it's the biggest country in Europe, most powerful country in Europe, and it's probably one of the biggest car manufacturer countries in the world. You know, besides America, it's obviously got quite a lot of um, wealth in, in, in the car market, but Germany, especially for Europe, is full of quality engineering, and it needs to be, like you say, with the German drivers we have as well, there needs to be a good German track on the calendar every year, because... Europe is massive again stuff's being taken away from the, where the support is and taken to far-flung places where there's no support so I think Americans realize that uh, thankfully that it needs to be brought back into where the to where the fans are and if if it is going to go to places where the fans aren't give them something to go and watch absolutely absolutely well let's let's talk about watching formula one now let's move on from the news and go on to the next race in the 2017 calendar the shanghai international circuit china the chinese grand prix race two 
of the season. First Grand Prix in 2004, so it's now, what, 13 years old this year. Uh, it's been going quite a while. It's actually one of the new circuits that's actually survived. We've seen so many new circuits come in and then fade after a couple of years. This is one of the ones that's actually survived. And I think it survived due to the fact that we've seen so many great and interesting races happen here. Uh, it's a 56-lap behemoth. The circuit length is 5.451 kilometres long. The race distance uh, brings it to a 305.066 kilometres. Yes, I am reading these facts. The lap record is held by Michael Schumacher, the German legend. Uh, 132.238. We could see that go this weekend, though. Uh, and your timetable for this weekend. So first practice on the Friday is 10 a.m. to 11.30 a.m. GMT. The, all these times are GMT. Uh, Friday practice 2 is 2 to 3.30 Practice 3 is 12 to 1, qualifying is 3 to 4, and the race is 2 to 4 on the Sunday. Now, the Chinese Grand Prix, Mark, as I said, we've seen quite a few interesting races here over the, over the years. Um, we've got that long 1.2 kilometer back straight there where we can, we're going to see these new cars fully open up for the first time. There's quite a few um, chances to overtake off the back of these long straights. We've got that really interesting first three or four corners where it loops round at the right and the back round to the left where we see some overtakes. We've seen some spin outs as well. This race could really sort of expose the new cars. Couldn't it? We could really see them open up for the first time here. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great circuit to finally get the cars out in the open, like you say, to see what they've really got, what they're capable of. Um, the issues with reliability in Australia might cause some concern because this is obviously much more of a powerful track uh, requiring a lot of um, speed, power, uh, braking. Braking zones are quite harsh in here. There's quite a lot of hard, fast turns as well. I mean, that first complex, one, two, and three, great, great, great part of the circuit. You've got the huge back straight, like you say, for plenty of overtaking. Um, so, yes, it's going to be exciting to see these cars opened up and uh, see what they're capable of. I'm really looking forward to seeing the cars rip down uh, that 1.2 kilometer straight. That's going to be the one coming into that braking zone at the end. Um, seeing some overtakes here. We've seen Max Verstappen dive up there a few times as well. He loves it round there. Uh, there's a few other long straights as well. So this is really where the cars are going to be able to open up. My biggest memory, though, from China is 2010 in that freaky Friday practice. Sebastian Buemi appeared to just jettison his front two tyres uh, and then bizarrely tried to continue to steer without any front yeah. wheels. I uh, remember seeing that. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, it almost looked like he pushed a button and the tyres just went, OK, goodbye, and then just left his car. Uh, but we have seen in races as well a few great overtaking moves and some great fights along here. It tends to bring the cars quite close together and it's going to be interesting because obviously we've not really seen how the strategies are going to play out yet but this whole um overcut thing that we saw in australia with vettel staying out longer we could see that more prominent here because the speeds the car is going to get up to surely that that record's going to go this weekend isn't it well, i think so it, it went quite easily in uh, australia um with the with the straights on this track um the new me mechanical grip and the new downforce they have on 2017 cars i think this will definitely go um, the, third, the last sector particularly is, is great for the overtaking opportunities. You've got a nice straight leading to a bit of a uh, hairpin um, that wraps around to the right and then it leads on to the 1.2 straight at the back. And I think that's, and again, you're into the last section, which is turns 14, 15. Um, like I say, Verstappen was quite active last year and people overshoot in turn 14 trying to defend or overtake. 
So uh, with the cars wider, more mechanical grip, pure speed they've got with these hybrid engines. They keep tweaking and tweaking every year and getting more and more power out of them. I think this is going to be an awesome track, and I'm, I'm hoping for a lot, and I hope I'm not disappointed. And you make an interesting point there, actually, coming off that back straight going into Turn 14. We've seen cars overshoot there in the past. Surely drivers this year, they're going to have to get that braking point right, because the braking point will obviously be a little bit further along with the with the, with the, the cars designed the way they are. Um, do you reckon we'll see a higher deg on tyres than we saw in Australia? Do you reckon we'll see a higher deg on brakes? Do you reckon we'll see cars making mistakes going into that last corner, those last few corners? Uh, I think you will. I think um, the first corners particularly, I'm surprised nothing happened in Australia, although it did happen by turn three, but um, with the cars being wider, it's a nice right-hand turner in turn one, you're sweeping around to the right, it gets tighter and tighter and tighter. With the cars being wider, yes, it's not a massively massive difference, but the, car, the drivers are so used to, you know, you get so used to driving a car of a specific size, it's now wider, you have three or four cars trying to get into one space, and again with turn 14, you might have two, three cars abreast trying to shoot into that final corner, which again is a tight right-hander, and the car's just not going to be wide enough, and it's who's going to give in first. Who's going to, you know, you're not going to have someone like Verstappen give in, he's going to take the opportunity. So you will see cars, like every year, going wide and taking that risk, which is what you want to see, but I do think um, the reliability is still an issue for a lot of teams, and we could see a high, uh, you know, I think if you get 12 cars finishing like in Australia, that wouldn't be a surprise. Yeah, so going on to Fantasy GP then, picking our, our, our winners and losers for for the race ahead. I'm just going to make a quick change uh, to mine, but I, I finalised it now. It is now finalised. So for the poll, I've gone for Lewis Hamilton. I think the Mercedes and the straight line speed will have more than any other car. So I've, I've taken him for the poll. Who have you got for pole position, Matt? I think I'm gonna to have to go with Lewis as well. I mean, he's not Mercedes is fast. I think um, we could see that in Australia. Although again, it's a different track, but you can't you can't under, underestimate Mercedes at the minute. They've got the, the the momentum and the history in the last few years with the hybrids. You know, they know what they're doing. So I think until we know more about these proper F1 circuits, we need to stick with what we know. So I'm gonna go with Lewis Hamilton. Yeah, he is the most uh, successful driver currently driving uh, on around China. He is uh, he's won it. Uh, yeah, he knows the track well. Yeah, I think he's won it three or four times. Um, so he knows it. He knows it very very well. Uh, so I've taken him for the win. I've taken Bottas because purely because he's in the other Mercedes uh, to come second. I've taken Vettel for third. Would you differ from that, or have you got anything uh, different? I'm gonna go. I think I'm gonna go Lewis and Bottas first and second. I think Bottas showed that he could keep up with Lewis. Um, in Australia, so I'm hoping Bottas is going to be fully pumped up, um, especially after his third in Australia and beaten by the Ferraris. I'm hoping he's going to be up for it, and then I think I'm going to have to go with Vettel third. Yeah, same. same I just same. don't think I like to go with Kimi, but I just don't. I just don't think Kimi's got it, unfortunately. No, he seems to be a bit part player now. He doesn't seem to be the main, the main gunner anymore. No, you know, he's. Yeah, he's a supporter. Yeah, he's just not got the bite that Vettel's got. Whether you know, he might have the odd one or two races where he, where he's got that extra bit, but more often than not, he's just not consistent enough. No, he's very much a bit part player now. Uh, I've gone for Lewis Hamilton with the fastest lap. Uh, it was interesting to see at the tail end of the Australian Grand Prix, whereas the last few years, because of the tyre deg, with the drivers have just been struggling to hang on. We had what uh, Verstappen and. Um, 
I can't remember who the other driver was. There was another driver asking what the fastest lap is and trying to trying to chase that down. So we could see a race at the end for for fastest laps. Uh, but I think Lewis will take it again purely because he's in the Mercedes. But that opens a question up. Shall we have points for the fastest lap? Well, I think we should. If it's gonna, if if points are gonna get, drivers obviously want the statistic uh, and the history in the book. You know that that line in the in the history book saying fastest lap of 2017 Chinese Grand Prix or Australian Grand Prix was me, and I did it in. Especially with this new era, they you know it obviously means something to them. So and Vettel's always been one for getting fastest laps, even when he was winning every single race. He wanted that extra, let's mm. <clears throat> get that extra token. So I think they should same as they do, and I think they do it in touring cars. Yeah, you know, extra point if it drive if it spurs people on to push that a little bit harder. Why mm. not? And it could become, you know, a deciding factor in the World Championship. You could have somebody at the last race of the season who's missing out by a point yeah. and they're just having to push, push, push. And yeah, all you've got to do is get yeah. the fastest lap. And if you have to push, push, push and it ends in a failure or, or an accident, then but you you try, don't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It'll force drivers. But yeah, Verstappen was mad keen for it. So we might see that again this weekend. I've gone for the first DNF. Van Dorn, and that was purely just a coin flip between Alonso and Van Dorn. And with after what Eric Boulier said, that China is going to expose McLaren Honda's weaknesses, whatever they are, they can't have any weaknesses left. I've, I've got to pick a McLaren for this. Uh, yes, I can understand that trail of thought. I think it's probably going to be more the actual overall pace of the car is not going to be up to it, as opposed to it not being able to complete the race distance. Um, I've gone for Palmer. Palmer. Well, yeah, he's, I think he's, he's under a lot of pressure, and I think he's gonna he's gonna push too hard. And at some point in the race, whether the first or not, he will he will make a mistake. The new Maldonado. I think so. I, I, I think he was given an opportunity <clears throat> based on his financial status, and given Renault's current position, uh, he might. He might not need that status anymore. <laughs> no, he might not need his status anymore. No, and as, you but know, I think he's he's under a lot of pressure. Holgerberg has shown what the car can do, and Palmer has not just he's not quite reached that level yet. And it, it says to me that last year, again, Magnussen wasn't quite up to speed either this year. So was Palmer as good as we thought he was last year compared to Magnussen, or was he not? Now they got Holgerberg in the car. Hmm. You know, are we seeing the true potential of Palmer? Which is, at the minute, it's he's a long way to go. Again, he's, I'd say, he's on par with Lance Stroll, even though he's got an extra year in the car. I just, mm. I just think the pressure's going to get to him on this race, the next race, the next few races, unless he can pull a performance out of the bag, and I think he's going to struggle. I would like him. I mean, I, I wouldn't say he's the next Maldonado because he hasn't been running into people and crashing all over the place. Um, but I would like him to the likes of Danny Kvyat. In the fact that um, there's obviously some talent there, but he has struggled to convert that talent into anything into Formula One. Um, Kvyat, we've seen, had his chance at Red Bull and within a season had blown it. Uh, and is now back at Toro Rosso and even there he's making some blundering mistakes. So uh, I would liken those two very similar, uh, Palmer and Kvyat. Um, as regards safety cards, this is the thing I changed. I did change, I did have zero originally. But I've gone for one purely because, listening to you talking about the first corner, we could potentially see one because of a first corner incident. Because the cars are so wide uh, and that corner does get tighter and tighter, if we see two cars tangled there, it may be quite difficult to get them moved quickly. So a safety car might be the best option. Um, 
obviously we've still got the option of a virtual safety car, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say one for China. It's not very often we see one at China, but I'm gonna say one. Uh, yeah. I've gone for none. I don't. I just don't. I don't think there would be need for one based like based on previous races. It's not mm. like you say. It's not something that happens regularly. No, we see incident there, but it's very rare that we see an accident because the circuit's so wide and there's so much runoff. Yeah. Um, we, there's usually not a need for one, um, but we we shall see. We shall see what comes on. Who knows? We might have a our first you know safety car start. You know we don't know what the weather's going to be yet. Uh, and China in the past has given us torrential rain um obviously the smog yeah you got the atmosphere there where it's quite it's you know it's the smoggiest uh race certainly uh, of the calendar so you know who knows who knows what will happen uh, with mother nature over the weekend and who knows how many safety cars will be we just don't know we just don't know but we're looking forward to the second race of the season still a lot of unanswered questions for this year obviously Vettel sits atop the world championship at the moment after his win in Australia we don't know whether Ferrari is faster than Mercedes we don't know if Red Bull are going to come into the fight all we do know is McLaren are the worst <laughs> worst team on the grid at the moment that's the only solid fact we have uh, but looking forward to this one aren't we yeah very much so I'd like to say it's the first proper circuit. There's a uh, everyone wants to see what the cars are capable of, and the drivers stretching their legs in these new cars. Uh, it could, you know, we, it could be a complete turnaround. There could be someone else beside. You know, Red Bull might come back. Ricardo and Verstappen might come up with something. We haven't mentioned them really. There's a lot to be had, and there's a lot to be played for. And I think it's going to be. I won't be able to watch it live, unfortunately, because I'm uh, away. But I will be catching up in the evening, uh, ready for a podcast next week. But I, I, yeah, I'm excited. And I, I'm hoping there's going to be plenty of overtaking, plenty of instant, plenty of strategy, and a damn good race. Indeed. And speaking of the podcast next week, we'll either do it on Sunday or Monday. And I will actually be at Ben's house next Sunday or Monday. So we might even be able to coax him back onto the podcast for a special yeah. episode because I'll be down there. So we'll get his opinion on the race as well. To keep in touch with everything Five Lights podcast related, you're best off following at Five Lights Pod on Twitter. That's at Five, the number Five Lights Pod on Twitter. Subscribe on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com forward slash five lights pod, and you can also now subscribe on iTunes, so you can subscribe on there as well. Just search Five Lights Podcast in there. But for now, that is it for the Five Lights Podcast. We hope you enjoy the race in China this Sunday. We'll be back, as we said, next week to take a look back at the race in China and also take a look ahead to race three in Bahrain. But for this week, Thank you very much for listening and we look forward to talking to you after hopefully an exciting race in China next week. Cheerio everyone. Have a good week. See you later guys.